0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Now here's your host, C.W. Hall.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Thank you for checking out the Health Connect South Radio show. This week, Jay and I hosted Sai Kumar of Diligent CXO a company which supports technology startups with access to a panel of very experienced C-suite executives to help them through their early stages, as well as providing consulting services to help potential investors conduct due diligence on a company that they have an interest in working with. He stopped by to talk about a technology company that is developing techniques that will provide relief to chronic back pain sufferers. Nergain is developing innovative ways to utilize gene therapy as well as regenerative cell technologies to provide a better alternative to the roughly 26 million Americans who suffer from chronic back pain, of which about 7 million have spinal stiffness. The current therapeutic management’s not working. drugs in use have poor efficacy and cause undesirable side effects such as resistance, dependency and abuse, and other disorders. The estimated annual economic burden of back pain is over $150 billion a year. The company's mission is to positively impact this pain and its treatment by means of an innovative approach to providing a therapy that not only works, but it helps avoid some of these other problems that can go along with things such as opiate therapies. Stick around for size discussion of these intriguing technologies and how they aim to help these folks suffering with chronic back pain. Good morning, everyone. It is CW Hall, your host here on the Health Connect South radio show. Joined in studio as always.
2: Yeah. Good morning, CW. This is Jay. I was just amazed by how you were drinking water and you just had that timing down. So, so, <laughs> so, so professional. I was like, he's eating a drink. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I guess so. Oh my so, God, he's taking a drink. We're real pros. So, that, we're the real pro here. Yeah, so that's so. how the DJ
1: does it. You know, you, you end your statement right before the, the singing kicks in. Okay. We're going to be joined in the studio today by Sai Kumar. He had a little bit of an adventure getting here today, but uh, he's going to be talking to us about Diligent CXO and newer gains. So Sai, thanks for making the arduous journey into town, fighting and traffic, and then Winding your way through the Atlantic Station parking lot, which can be quite an adventure in and of itself.
0: Right. I I should probably <laughs> write about that actually. I mean, it's like it is an adventure. Thank you very Got a much. Good, good morning entry
1: for this morning. Yeah.
0: Good morning, everyone. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here. And thanks for the invitation, Jay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would love to share with uh, you what we what is that we do at diligence mm-hmm. CXO as well as uh, Neurgain in particular, which is what
1: is the, going to be the focus. Sure. of today's discussion. Well, let's talk about Diligent. You mentioned the fact that you've had an interest throughout your life in neurology and, neuroscience, and the, yeah. the neuroscience mm-hmm. field. So, talk to us a little bit about your background and and introduce us to Diligent.
0: Sure. I mean, I um as you can gauge from my accent, uh, I actually come from India. You know, I moved to United States a long time ago and I went to school here and I took a degree in uh, polymer science and engineering. And before that, um, you know, I was um, working for Department of Atomic Energy in India, you know, as a scientific officer. And ever since I came here, you know, uh, somewhere around 1990s, mid-90s or something like that, I switched over to biomedical device field. And uh, also entrepreneurial bug, you know, (laughs) hit me. And then basically I caught on and then ever since stayed as an entrepreneur in medical devices, And in particular, I focus on two areas, which is a drug delivery devices, you know, that is for the uh, back of the eye, as well as for neurological, you know, drug delivery type of thing, which is something NeurGain is doing. I will talk to you about that later on. And uh, basically, uh, the other area that I focused on is the diagnostics, okay, where, um, you know, I took the company from research stage into product uh, development, and we developed a product for U.S. uh, Army, and uh, that is for uh, a a simple blood test that could tell uh, how serious is the injury of the brain and the heart, and then uh, we developed a device and that's waiting
1: for um, going into clinical trials and things like that. Interesting. I'm curious how the the blood test is it looking for some sort of proteins or something like that that, that would indicate either inflammation or or some sort of cell damage change? yes
0: sir i mean actually you know it's a it's a good thing you brought in proteins because mm-hmm. you know proteins are the workhorses you know that uh, keep track of what is going on and uh, inf- but it's not the inflammation what happens is if you have a simple concussion let's say running into the wall mm-hmm. or playing contact sports and things like that you know you get a concussion type of thing. And immediately what happens is that there are a lot of things go wrong with your uh, cognition and uh, other aspects. And uh, whenever you have an, a, a disruption between blood brain barrier, what happens is the proteins that you talked about, you know, start showing up in the uh, bloodstream and so on. What we do is to uh, detect these specific proteins uh, with a very unique microfluidic assay, which means that uh, you detect a very very small quantity, something like uh, something like one fiftieth of an uh, average raindrop size of uh, of your blood sample that you take, and then you can uh, analyze it, um, you know, in a quantitative way. And that is correlated with, you know, how serious is the injury, whether it is a simple concussion that resolves or moderate or severe injury and so on.
1: So was it determined, I guess, early on that by uh, maybe a spinal tap that that these proteins would be floating around in the cerebral spinal fluid? And then it was thought that why don't we see if they... past the blood-brain barrier and get into the bloodstream and then we can maybe do a test for it?
0: Right. I mean, uh, the, the CSF is uh, is uh, difficult to access, as you know, mm-hmm. in the lumbar and things like that and requires a procedure whereas this is a non-invasive, pretty much non-invasive, like a glucose test that mm-hmm. you would have. You know, you can take a pinprick and then test that uh, sample uh, automatically so we kind of took it to demonstrate this particular one but that's not the primary thing that i want to talk about of course
1: yeah, i'm just curious sorry we got time so. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah but uh, i don't want to stop you in that one because diagnostics and uh, development of uh, you know uh, a therapy that works really Uh, They go hand in hand, hand. you know, more and more things are becoming like a centralized laboratory and uh, hospital type of situation to home. You know, things are moving towards near patient and in recognition of that, you know, what we do is the personalized medicine, personalized uh, other types of therapy and so on. When you want to use, you want to know whether the therapy works or not. Mm -hmm. And for that, you know, you call this a protein or other biomarkers, genetic biomarkers and other things, you know, we, we can use that tells you and helps you monitor these type of thing, you know, the one reason I am very passionate about this area is because it's not a one-time event that happens, you know, whether you have a brain injury or a heart kind of situation or a stroke or something like that. All these things are, uh, you know, chronic implications to them. So several things go wrong over several periods of uh, time uh, longitudinally. And in order to monitor that, you know, at different point in time, what is happening to the patient and how do you put together the proper, um, what do you call therapy and uh, treatment for this person is something that uh, we are taking a look holistically.
1: Now, I know when we talk about the, we mentioned uh, the launch of the show NeuroGain and that's a company that's taking a look at treating chronic pain. Yes. And Mm -hmm. um, both due to neuropathic, Disorders of a variety of types, as well as trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, from what I understand in, in some of the statistics, I mean, it's a pretty big problem. 26 million Americans, what that's not quite, what is it, seven, eight percent? That's still, yeah. it's still yeah. a pretty good amount of people. Uh, seven million have spinal stiffness or spasticity. And It's difficult to treat. Not a lot of options for them right now. Right.
0: I mean, uh, if you, you know, Google, for example, you know, chronic pain and spasticity or something like that, spasticity is a kind of a uh, difficult word and things like that, not commonly used, but that's why I called it uh, spinal stiffness. But what really happens is because of uh, the imbalance in your motor function, you know, typically, you know, you, you know very well the neurons have to act. Uh, very well in coordination the signal that goes for example if i want to wiggle my finger here okay there is there should be a proper feedback mechanism mm-hmm. into how much you want to do i can move it this big or this small and mm-hmm. so on that's all of these things is controlled by the feedback mechanism if that feedback goes haywire and it doesn't work properly. That's what is causing, but for example, jerky movements. or jerky movement. Yeah. That's a spasm and spasticity. Mm-hmm. And that uh, is specifically triggered by trauma. OK, it's a mm-hmm. trauma to the back or something like that. But the neuropathic pain and other type of psychosomatic pains and things like that, you know, if, if you talk to people, one in three or something like that would complain about some kind of pain. Okay, and back pain is very common, and that's what
1: I I characterized over there. Economic burden annually estimated at over 150 billion dollars. Right,
0: that is just on the pain alone. You must have seen the show house, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, they where this person takes Vicodin and becomes dependent on that. Mm-hmm. And people having, you know, like um, excessive sleepiness and so on, and other types of GI disorders, you know, mm-hmm. gastrointestinal disorder. All these things are OPI type of thing, you know, what we are trying to do is to, you know, improve the situation and also make sure that the whatever the medication that you are taking works properly.
1: They've developed, I guess, they're in the process or have developed a device that Helps with this, that helps get away from what you're talking about, some right. of the opioid, the need for opioid type medications to treat this pain?
0: Right. There are two components to this one. One is a device, another one is a delivery method. That's what we can talk about. With respect to the device itself, you know, it has to be delivered in a specific area for uh, things to work properly, and also it is minimally invasive in the sense it is still invasive considered invasive and it requires an outpatient procedure but uh, basically what it is it's not going to be in you know uh, going into the tissue to create trauma and things like that further and inflammation and hopefully i mean to avoid also the further infection and things like that so and what what we do is a specific area okay uh, which is accessed by the skillful Uh, you know, um, physician. And this area that what you want to deliver is uh, some genes, okay, that um, basically control this uh, signaling I am talking about, right? And we initially, I talked about the excitation and inhibition, okay? These are the two signals that we, that have gone in imbalance. And those signals, you bring it back to the order by genes that are controlling them. So, these genes have been identified these two genes you know we have been we, you know we can deliver that then what happens is near the area where the uh, spine is affected okay you have very segment specific you know you know the our spine is you know identified with several yes. segments and segment specific area site specific area you can increase the expression of these cells Okay, parenchymal cells they are. So these are neuronal cells that have specific, you know, expressions, receptors for these, you know, signal that goes up and down type of thing. And then they bring it back and make the medication, you know, more receptive to work for you. Okay, and with minimal, um, what do you call, side effects.
1: So... Now, what we're talking about here is a, is it a, just a, it's like a, I don't know if it's a one-time procedure, but it's a procedure where you're, you're inserting, it sounds like some sort of, by by a catheter of some sort or needle that you're delivering these cells to the injury area Mm -hmm. and you're. Uh, I was reading a, a little abstract about Martin Marsala's regenerative medical research. Is that right. what we're talking about? Yes. I mentioned, I it think, is. in their stem cells and yes, things like yes, that. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And, and is that where this genetic material, is that how it's being incorporated into this injured area is through those, I guess, those... Young undifferentiated cells that can then kind of adapt to where they are—is that what we're talking about? Uh,
0: the, the regenerative component is an ad- additional okay. uh, offering that we have, I see. but uh, it doesn't have to have the stem cell kind of a I therapy. See. In what happens is, in certain areas, depending upon the injury, um, uh, you know, magnitude, what happens is it forms uh, certain areas of, um, you know, cavity, right? Mm. So. These are called, you know, springle gl- glima or something like that. You know, that, that particular, you know, um, condition. Okay, when it happens, you know, for common terms, you can call that cavity. So when that cavity, you know, happens, then that is the site that triggers all this pain, right. stiffness and so on. So if you want to replace the cells over there, then we have the stem cell, okay. you know, approach. The stem cell, we can also you know, customize it for the patient because each person has a different, um, slightly different, differentiated anatomy, okay? And uh, so you can have this. Nowadays, you have 3D printers and things like that, bioprinting and so on. So this afternoon, actually, we are talking with a company that is very interested in Martin's research and uh, they want to partner with us to provide this um, customizable cell therapy, Okay. So you administer this cell, but that's not going to fix the pain by itself, but you need to make, um, you know, that area receptive. So, uh, the Martin Southern technology which is the gene delivery technique, yes. specific gene delivery techniques to a catheter like you mentioned. Yes. You know, that you can deliver and it will be expressive and then whatever, um, you know, medication that you are taking, you know, is going to work at that specific site, because that's where the receptivity of the cells are higher.
1: So you're actually, through that therapy, making that injured area more responsive right. to a medication that you're taking.
0: Right. It, is, it improves the efficacy and reduces the side effect. In other words, improves the safety, for example. Mm-hmm. So the, well, just to give you an analogy, you know, you're trying to, you know, like a fish, for example looking in a big pond and so on you want to get a specific area in which you know the, the so you will have the proper preparation for that one and make sure that you are baiting. In that area where that it is happening, it is very similar to that. If you are taking systemic, meaning your whole body, you are taking oral Mm -hmm. administration is what is common. Nobody wants uh, needles to be stuck, So Mm -hmm. basically you are taking oral medications like opioid, like I mentioned for the pain or for the uh, specific, um, you know, there is a medication called tiagabine for the spasticity. So if you take those type of things, what happens is... uh, you are making those medications specifically targeted towards this area. So this is what is known as a vector therapy. In other, words, in other words, you are orientating the medication to go to the right area and work properly. Instead of uh, causing the systemic uh, issues. You know, Does it
1: so cause that. more of the active ingredient of the medication to be taken up then by those right. cells? And that is what you're saying reduces yes. the rest of the systemic right. effects elsewhere? Right. Interesting. Exactly.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So these are all controlled by genes and proteins, right? I mean, like, so the, basically what we are trying to do is to control the area in, which needs the treatment yes. rather than treating the whole thing. It is very similar to having a side effect for cancer, for example, you know, people lose hair and so on. Those kind of things and other types of uh, big, you know, most of the medications have side effects, as you hmm. know. And that's what we are trying to reduce because these chronic type of situations where you are taking medication for a longer time, it either reduce, you know, it leads to kind of a resistance being built up, where the me- medicine is no longer working, or you have the you know dependency on the medication because of the, you know, like um, you you feel that when you don't take the medication, you go you're going to feel a lot more pain, you know, which is a psychosomatic hmm. type thing.
1: Talking with Sai Kumar of Diligent CXO and learning about his work with a company called NeurGain that has developed some very innovative technology to be able to make pain medication that's aimed at treating uh, traumatic and neuropathic back pain more effectively while reducing the systemic effects of medications. We talked a little bit about some of the negative effects that come along with taking opiates to treat pain, including dependence and a number of different side effects that can occur with chronic taking of those types of medications. And you were mentioning Side the fact that we we're able to actually insert genetic material into the cells of that injured area. Does, mm-hmm. does does the genetic material, I guess, of the of the section of the code that you need get extracted and then put into some sort of a solution that then, when it gets put into the space where the injury is, I guess right. That, right. that 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 solution is one that crosses the cell membranes of the cells in that space and they drink it up, if you will, and pulls that genetic code in. Is that how it works? Uh,
0: Basically what happens is, you know, when you deliver these uh, in this specific area, then the genes control the cell expressions, Mm -hmm. okay? And those, you know, are expressed well uh, with the proper receptors. You know, know, neurotransmitters and things like that are the ones that Mm -hmm. control the signal, Right. you know and these neurotransmitter reception for those neurotransmitters you know with these genes that are expressed in in the cells make the cells more receptive for those um, you know specific mm-hmm. transmitters and then then the whole area becomes um, you know kind very conducive for medical mm-hmm. treatment
2: right so just so i can keep up with you too you're still talking about taking medicine orally but you yeah. prepared the body right, to right. receive it a couple of weeks ago, we had Halyard Health on here, remembering they had the OnCue, which was a purely mechanical device after a surgery or something that you could, the surgeon could attach and it would deliver measured dosage. Of That's a opioid. good comparison in yeah. the
1: sense that the that device was one that delivered medication that treated pain directly to the spot that needed the pain. Right. Didn't go in the whole body. That's right. In this case, what Sai is talking about is they're actually making the injury spot, in this case More on receptive. the spinal column... One, more receptive, but more thirsty, if you will, or more <laughs> <Yes>. hungry, if <laughs> right. you will. So it gobbles up. <laughs> right. If you take a pill yeah. and it's yeah. in the bloodstream, that mm-hmm. one area that needs it is actually the space that's gobbling up all the active ingredient of the medicine that's floating around in the bloodstream. So it's less right. apt right. to cause it, problems. And so.
2: reducing side effects from yeah. the other parts so of the body. It's very intriguing. Okay.
0: And for example, I talked with people who have been affected by these back injuries and things like that, and uh, people who are taking a specific... Uh, you know, medication. You know, there is Medtronic is a pioneer on making a device, a drug combination. Okay, baclofen is the is the pump. Okay, that is implanted, right? And uh, you know, and it needs explantation. You know, when 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 things go wrong and it has a potential for getting infections in the area mm-hmm. and it it is subcutane, subcutaneously implanted by making a package and so on mm-hmm. and running a catheter internally yes. from the all all these complications first of all mm-hmm. and on top of that the success rate for these um, you know baclofen working mm-hmm. is also not very impressive Mm -hmm. And uh, baclofen medication, you know, itself, uh, if you look at that, you know, has become more or less, um, you know, like um, patent protection has has gone and then now it is a generic type of medication and so on. There is an uh, oral version of the baclofen also people take. And that has the systemic problem that I mentioned. These are the two existing, you know, treatments. So one is a surgical procedure implantation, you know, uh, pump, you know, uh, facilitated delivery uh, of the medication in doses and so on. The other one is, you know, oral administered type of drug. So what we are trying to do is we are keeping the drug the same because the drug is, if you look at uh, some of the hurdles of the gene therapy, gene therapy has been known ever since, uh, you know, probably mid 90s or something Mm -hmm. like that. So one of the things, you know, from a business perspective, if you look at it, gene therapy, why it hasn't taken off, everybody likes it. If you, if you look at that, it's because of the, like you mentioned, one-time deal, right? From a business perspective, if you say that...
1: It doesn't pay very well.
0: Yeah, it doesn't pay very well. And then investors don't like it. And on top of that, if something goes wrong... Then the whole, you know, like a treatment and the other things is wasted. And if you look at the development of the gene therapy, also many of the things that are shown very well to work in animal models do not transform and translate into humans very well. Interesting. Okay, this is also, you know, is another reason why gene therapy, although it has been there for more than two decades, why it hasn't taken off. Why are we not having too many of them available today? Mm-hmm. Right. So, what is that we are doing different in here? So, we are taking, we are taking, we are avoiding this, um, you know, like uh, animal to human translation and so on, because the medication, actual pharmaceutical ingredient that, you know, actually works, okay, with Mm -hmm. this one has been proven to work for several years. We are retaining the same. Only thing is, we are making the therapy work better. Right, So, in this sense, we would say that what we have is an adjuvant okay, therapy, gene therapy, rather
1: than the primary therapy. So, if I've gotten this procedure done mm-hmm. and now my spinal injury is more hungry for the medication, do, am I able to take a lower dose?
0: Yes. You will, you will, you will be able to take a little overdose, and also the, because of the not side side effects, you may also regain some of these things. Um, I mean, your action, and then you know all these um, what do you call a quality of life type of thing over an integrated period of time. And at that point in time, you know you, we can also uh, initiate other types of um, therapy to bring bring you back to normal life.
2: Well, you'd mentioned before that some of this plasticity comes from imbalance. Are there is this part of proprioception and some things that you can do to prevent it if you work on your balance or yoga or things like that?
0: Oh, (laughs) yeah, I'm looking balance. I use the balance word from the neuroscience perspective. Okay, from a transmitter, you know that controls the excitation, meaning you know things are you know, uh, what they call creating the signal and sending back to the Mm -hmm. brain. Mm -hmm. And then the brain sends the inhibitory signal to say, stop.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Right. Otherwise you cannot control the movement. It's
1: equilibrium more than uh, necessarily. Right. It's a motor equilibrium, you can say. You were talking about the fact that, I guess as a broad field, the genetic therapy is not very appealing. How are you at Nurgain going to make this work when we talked about the fact that it's more or less, it's a one-time procedure. Why do it? If, if, you know, as we're saying that, right. you know, it's right from the financial perspective, obviously a pill that you have to take, it's a subscription, you know, you're going to be on the subscription for however long, hopefully the rest of your life, if I'm the medication company. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you make that work as a model?
0: Uh, There are two scenarios to this one. One is uh, if the therapy works uh, amazingly well and uh, uh, you administer one time this expression and the effect is long lasting, let's say. Then, you know, what you are talking about, you need to work with the reimbursement type of a scenario Which is based on kind of an annuity type of approach. Not then, because no one is going to pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars for one-time treatment. Sure, you know, because people will be hesitating. How do I know it's working on something? So pay pay for performance or something like that. You monitor how the patient is improving. Okay, based on that one, the payers will you know uh, cover that cost. Of medication and treatment and so on, that's the one scenario. The second scenario, which is more likely scenario, is you administer this particular one because you know, we haven't um, human data you know that shows um, how long is going to be the expression that I mentioned once you deliver these genes, and then you have these um, cells that are receptive, hungry cells like you mm-hmm. said. These are the ones that are expressing themselves very well. How long is that going to last?
1: Yeah, it's going to say the cells cells turn over, they die.
0: Right. But in these kind of neuronal cells and so on, you know, the the, the situation is slightly different. But you're right. I mean, in the sense, what we need to do is to monitor this. Let's say that, um, you know, it lasts for one year or something like that. So what we would like to do is to have a booster shot at that time, right? So you can have... You know, uh, the the entire formulation that is being administered locally, like I said, contains genes and other types of things. This formulation can be controlled into first level, initial treatment and subsequent treatment and then in terms of and making sure the body is receptive, right? And the person can continue to take over, you know, once that pain, Is come substantially reduced, then there are other types of treatment like exercise, omega three, and other things you can do. Those type of things can take over and maintain it. I see. Okay, this is this is a longer term thing. I you know which we have to establish. Still, so
1: we don't yet know exactly how long right now it will persist once I get the treatment done.
0: We do not know in humans. Yes. Yeah, in animals we have. uh, data up to, you know, in months and things like that. And certain data, comparable data, when you look at in guinea pigs and mini pigs and so on, you know, have have shown um, weekly from, you know, uh, uh, what do you call uh, monitoring of the expression has been done. And in months also, we have looked at it. Okay, but basically we haven't, you know, seen in the humans yet how long it's going to last.
1: Now, are there people having the procedure done yet or is this it all, animal, no, no, it's not, all it's, animal model now?
0: Yeah, it's preclinical clinical right now. I yeah. see. So
1: yeah. how long before you get to the place where you've got enough animal data that you can now start actually doing some human studies? Uh,
0: pretty much we are, um, you know, I would say that the device part of it, we have a functional prototype, you know, that has been demonstrated, which is the delivery device with a catheter and things like that. The gene formulation depends upon making certain, um, what do you call, agreements with the suppliers in terms of, uh, you know, this vector that is being used with a viral vector for delivery. You know, those type of things. Once that is done, we will be ready to start primate first, okay, non-human primate, mm-hmm. and then we will go into
1: phase one. So who else is doing this? Anybody?
0: This um, gene therapy, the uh, you know, there are lots of companies, like Region X, for example, and uh, there are lots of uh, companies um, in the world, probably over 200 companies, you know, that are developing gene therapies of different types and so on. But to the best of our knowledge, the way we have approached it, our business model is different. Okay. In other words, we are not doing the gene therapy as a primary therapy. Hmm. We are making, like I said, making the body receptive and work better, okay, with the medication is what we are doing. That is why we think there is a huge potential here so, for
2: Yeah. So the initial therapy and then you have ongoing tune ups. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So uh, that is uh, that, in, that combined with the fact that we are not primary gene therapy, in other words, you don't have to worry about is the sequence going to work when you go from different ethnicity type of thing, even among humans, I'm saying, and will it translate from uh, mouse to primate to humans? These, these kind of um, issues will probably be, um, what I should say, overcome by taking this differential differentiated approach where we are. Delivering site specific and making the cells more receptive and more hungry mm-hmm. in terms of uh, <laughs> take, working with the medication.
1: Yeah. Do you ha- what? How long does it take? Are we? It sounds like we're talking still several years yet to be able to cross those.
0: Yeah, I thresholds. would say, I would say three to five years, yeah. but uh, this is where I mentioned earlier about talking this afternoon with a company that is visiting with us. Mm-hmm. So these kind of partnerships, you know, there are other companies that have approached, um, you know, our team with respect to, uh, you know, applying these things for different aspects of neuro, you know, like uh, neurological diseases and so on. And, um, uh, we are looking into, with the partnership, for example, what we will be able to do is to get get there faster. Say, like I mentioned, uh, some of the medication, the pharmaceutical companies and and so on, they would like to make sure that their medication, because this is a reformulation approach, you Mm -hmm. can say. Some established medicine, blockbuster, let's say, that is going out of um, patent protection, generics are taking over. Now you have a way of protecting that in terms of saying hey you have a differentiated formulation now which is you know you can use the reduced you know amount of with the with the you know FDA regulations and things like that when you are looking at it there are certain changes that would allow you to refile okay
1: interesting you're saying that if with your therapy based on this particular medication that you're focused on mm-hmm. that if if you get to the point where we're using it on humans that company that makes that medication can actually refile their patent and get longer protection because of this the fact that they're able to deliver lower doses to achieve the same thing
0: yes under special conditions which is you know the reformulation you know, uh, brings in certain specific quantifiable advantage
1: in terms of improving the safety Mm -hmm. or improving the efficacy. So they can make some subtle changes to the primary medication that make it work better even than with what you're doing.
0: Correct. And Mm -hmm. such approaches have been taken. For example, in uh, drug delivery type of thing, you know, there is also a company in, um, you know, Alphareda, which Mm -hmm. is working on back of the eye type of thing. Mm Alamera Sciences, I know, they they have... uh, type of um, approach in which, you know, the standard medication, you can repackage it in terms of hydrogel and injectable and things like that. This game of uh, changing the formulation, reformulating it and, um, you know, extending the, you know, uh, life period for a blockbuster r- drug is something that has been done in specific cases and it is an
1: open you know so, arena so they,
2: they put new and improved right. on the boxes yeah. like they do and that in the, makes yeah, it protected i yes. guess that much yeah. longer <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. so you're talking about the the types of partnerships that you would need to make this happen a little more quickly you're talking about relationships with pharma the the ma- manufacturer correct. of the drug correct um
0: are generic for, for 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 that matter or, or yeah. even generic manufacturing. Oh, yeah yeah okay. because most of the manu- yeah. you know even a big pharma now, nowadays have a wing that uh, addresses a generic because you don't want to lose you know upwards of uh, something like sixty percent of your you know margin based on blockbuster when it loses patent protection because g- generics. The more popular the drug is, more is the threat from the generic. Sure. So some of the companies are buying the generics based on this one. So basically, they are owning the... I mean, this it's is a generic, strategy. But
1: they keep... But they yeah. keep... Yeah. They... they okay, price, you but...
0: continue to do that, but do mm-hmm. you report, um, you know, some of the... Some of your, some of your bottom line, we control right. it. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Interesting. So... And what about funding?
0: Uh, for this one, that is um, what what we are um, now. We have excellent preclinical data, so what we are trying to do is to. The you know, company is established, and we have a team, okay, of uh, three people now. Basically, what we are doing is I'm I'm. That's where the diligence CXO comes in, okay. Mm-hmm. So the diligence CXO, if you look at it, we do we focus on three areas. One is uh, interim executive you know, uh, offering, but there are lots and lots of companies. One of the things I enjoy doing is uh, to help other entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs. I do a lot of mentoring and so on. That's what got me to this new gain from, you know, uh, university of California, San Diego. So this mentoring and things like that, you know, when you do that, and then young companies, they don't have a proper team, experienced, seasoned team, you know, of the leadership team. So we provide this, you know, interim executive. That's one area. The second thing is for investors and many people, they don't know how good is the technology, how good is the projections and so on, especially, you know, less sophisticated investors, let's say, but big VC firms, they have very sophisticated team that could do the due diligence. Yes. So due diligence is the second area that uh, Diligence CXO focuses on. And we can help, you know, like um, attorneys, uh, investors like angel investors and other private equity people in terms of uh, doing due diligence on an idea or a concept or whatever it is, or or even an early stage company that they want to put
1: money in. So you go and take a look at, say in this case, a newer gain and be able to talk about the strength of their studies, the right, the, right. the projections right. as to whether or not you think it's legitimately likely to make it to... Right. Commercialization. So
0: like I'm that. helping them in terms of putting together the pitch deck and mm-hmm. also giving exposure like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, you know, and also applying to accelerator programs, right. you know, mm-hmm. in terms of bringing in the money because that's what you asked. So that's the second uh, due diligence
2: type and of thing. Putting together a business plan, what the market size is, what exactly. the projections are, things. And the product uh, market fit, all the good.
0: Uh, right. The, ter- well. the third thing is adding value to the existing company in terms of strategy and things like that. That's the area. If you go to our websites, diligence sake, so this is what you would see as our core areas of focus. Okay, so coming back to Gain, you know what I'm trying to do is to you know put together this whole package, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, mm-hmm. including the business plan and so on. So once that is ready, so we will, will be on a roadshow in terms of uh, raising money. Mm-hmm. That is um, that that is something that we will do. Well, it's certainly
1: very exciting, and it seems to me that this kind of technology would have. Uses in other parts of the body at some point in time.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's, it's interesting you should ask that. I mean, like, for example, some, some way or other, our brain controls all pain-related stuff, you know. For example, the source of uh, pain, you know, pain that you mentioned, you know, another common pain is arthritic pain. Mm-hmm. You know, it is because of some kind of uh, either an immune or autoimmune disease or some kind of an injury. All these things contribute to that uh, arthritis, okay? Osteoarthritis mm-hmm. and other forms of arthritis and so on. Arthritic pain is another big area, okay? I haven't included in that 27 million that I mm-hmm. gave earlier mm-hmm. because that's, that's strictly back pain and neuropathic and trauma pain that I was talking about. But if you look at the whole pain market, it is like 300 million or something no, like sure, that. It's yeah. huge, okay? Yeah. So basically... What we are trying to do is even for that, you asked whether can you use these medications and uh, making the cells receptive and so on. So you can make these kind of approaches to as a growth, okay, of the area where it has emaciated. okay, and then you have, uh, you know, issues with respect to joint pain and so on. You can regrow this. You know, stuff, especially with the regenerative medicine, which is a combination of cell therapy and gene therapy. This is what uh, Martin specializes in.
1: You're saying that they might in in the end be able to replace, have the cells replace themselves a little bit with more healthy cells in those those types of patients. Yes.
0: Yes. In in fact, that's what we are going to discuss this afternoon because this company wants to make this 3D printed, you know, um, that is customized component of uh, spine that you can replace it.
1: That may be, I, that a may be related to the article that I was, I, I didn't read the article. I just read a just a, a little snippet of the first part of it. But uh, there's there's some sort of an implantable device that goes, it looks like it overlays the spine. I don't know that it, it may possibly insert to a certain extent, but it is used for treating patients that have spinal injury, now they, they're paralyzed, but it's looking as though there's a possibility that that may be able to have an implantable device that helps those people to be able to walk.
0: Right. There are two aspects to that. One is, um, you know, for example, when, when you say implantable, that means it has a form that mm-hmm. it is going to preserve mm-hmm. or fit into. Yes. Okay. So that is where the 3D comes in. But you don't need necessarily for this one because stem cells can be delivered by mm-hmm. injection. Mm-hmm. And so on to st- site-specific areas, and this is another area. Several years ago, um, you know, Martin has worked on that one. This another thing which I haven't talked about is the ALS. You know, he mm-hmm. specializes in that one. He has done a lot of stem cell-related thing for for treatment and so on. So what we are trying to do is, um, you know, in some cases, you may need a combination of uh, this gene expression to make the cells more receptive. And you have the stem cell for regenerative type of thing. So in certain complicated situations, you might need both. You know, that's why I brought in the, you know, uh, the osteoarthritis and other Mm -hmm. types of thing where you need to replace something because, you know, it has to grow back all these, um, you know, areas which have lost the proper support, muscle support Mm -hmm. and other type of things. You need to improve the growth over there and then you need to treat it so that it doesn't go back into the same kind of situation and uh, anti-immune therapy and things like that might be needed too if it is an autoimmune component to that okay like like rheumatoid arthritis for example.
1: Talk about where folks can go to get more information about Diligent CXO and then Nurgain if maybe I'm an investor or or want to participate in some sort of partnership or collaboration?
0: Sure, certainly. Thanks. Uh, The Diligent CXO, please go to our website and then there is um, quite a bit of information there. That is www.diligentcxo, D-I-L-I-G-E-N-T-C-X-O, one word, dot
1: com. And is there any place, can they find information about NeuroGain there, or, or uh, we, is there a NeuroGain site coming? We are going to, yeah, NeuroGain site is coming up, and then we uh, are going
0: to, uh, you know, have a separate, uh, this thing for that. And we are talking with uh, UCSD, you know, we are, um, we have negotiated a um, licensing agreement for uh, both the device g- uh, delivery method and things like that with the technology transfer office with the U- UCSD. That is something Diligent CXO does as well
1: got a final thought before we let you go
0: uh yes i would um like to mention this um you know going back to pain and so on pain is um something the chronic pain component okay is uh, that uh, that is associated with the trauma is something that uh, i really care about and we have worked on it on a longer time period and this is the time that we have found a proper combination of the diagnostics as well as the therapeutic component so that could help people in rehabilitation and get them back to the you know improved quality of life sooner
2: than mm-hmm. later. So at Health Connect South, we always ask, what do you need? What, what, what would be if somebody came in the door, be your ideal person, what would that look like?
0: Uh, it would be an investor. <laughs> okay. It would be an investor that um, is interested in this area and uh, we would love to talk with them in terms of, um, you know, uh, potentially taking the company to the next step.
1: Well, it's certainly exciting to hear some of these technologies that are being developed right here in our backyard in the Atlanta area and the Southeast in general. And it was it was a treat to have you here, Sai. Uh, Talking about NeuroGain and uh, Diligent CXO and how you're facilitating
2: this development. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the day where if I have some pain, I don't have to t- I take a pill that doesn't affect my whole body. Just the place where you've uh, put the genes to help make the hungry cells, to use your terms. we have got a yeah. company here in town that's <laughs>
1: that's right on the edge of being able to have your thoughts turn into text. So it's really some very amazing things are happening Right here around us, I'm sure we'll be surprised by all the changes that have come about over the next five to 10 years in healthcare and how it's delivered. Um, It's changing rapidly as we go every day. And um, if you're coming back, you're listening to the podcast, you've not done so already, look in the upper left-hand corner of the Health Connect South Radio show page. You'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the podcast lives, and you can subscribe to us, and we hope you do. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it'll be downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to listen on the ride to work or however you may listen. And make sure you get by healthconnectsouth.com. Check out their calendar. Make sure you get Registered for upcoming events as they happen uh, They just had a very successful one Up in Tennessee in, in and Nashville, Nashville Yeah, Record
2: mm-hmm. attendance and mm-hmm. a lot of good collaborations Going on and save the date September 21st at the Georgia Aquarium And uh, look forward to, to that The next event, With the one that they
1: had there Last year was awesome, it was a beautiful Venue and uh, great, great speakers So we hope to see all of our Listeners out there uh, Cy and to your team, want to say thanks for Taking some time to join us here on the Show today
0: You're quite quite welcome, CW.
1: And Jay and Russ, Shivani, all the folks over at Health Connect South, we want to say thanks for making the show possible. And everybody out there who made us a part of their day today want to say thank you very much. We appreciate you. We'll see you same time, same place next week. We'll see you then.